today on a classic Compassion Radio. You know, when the journey of the Magi was reenacted on the 2000th anniversary of the birth of Jesus, Muslim people in Iraqi villages such as Fallujah and Ramadi cheered this pilgrimage in honor of Jesus. They showed kindness to Americans who rode on camels through their town streets. More recently, following the war in Iraq, the same people are mistrustful of American soldiers. I wonder, maybe the way of Jesus can accomplish more than military might. Through the cobbled streets of ancient cities, across the trackless sands of eternal deserts, the journey of the Magi has been reenacted by adventurers who believe in the power of faith to conquer division and conflict. Just like the wise men of the Gospels, they set forth on a search for the King of Kings. Only this time they discovered Him everywhere they went. It's an amazing story, and it's true. Today is part two of our special report, Journey of the Magi. And there's plenty more to get excited about. It's one of the real gems from our Compassion Radio archives. Here's Norm to welcome back our special guest. Well, yesterday we opened the first of our two-part conversation with Robin Wainwright talking about how God adopted this spiritual orphan, as Robin puts it, and led him into a very effective ministry in the Middle East, working for peace in that peace-starved region of the world. You'll recall hearing about the three-month-long reenactment of the journey of the Magi on the 2000th anniversary of Jesus' birth and how as American Christians rode on camels through villages of Iraq, Syria, and Jordan, the Muslim residents of those villages applauded this pilgrimage to honor Jesus. I think that's great. Now, can we as Christians engage Muslim people in productive communication regarding the Prince of Peace? Well, let's find out as we talk again today with Robin Wainwright, founder of the Holy Land Trust. Robin, you told me a story that you've got to share with our listeners about a Shiite cleric who saw you on your pilgrimage there in Iraq. And Well, I don't want to tell any more. Yeah. You tell them what happened. It's you know, a great story. Yeah, we hear that Shia are really in the news right now because 66% of the population of Iraq are Shia, but also Iranian population is predominantly Shia. And so we, we are always hearing how fearsome the Shiites are and how mm-hmm. perhaps radical or, you know, we can't understand them. They seem a little crazy to us, perhaps. And so we had on our trip six young men that were in their early 20s or even less than 20 who were humble village people who were Shiite camel drivers. Mm. And so they were our camel herders. So we had a good relationship with them. But about two weeks north of Baghdad, took us about three weeks to walk out of Iraq. We got about two weeks north, and one day a great big limousine-type car, Mercedes, drives up, and there's a man all dressed in white in it, and he's a Shiite uh, imam, a teacher. Mm. And he's from a very wealthy family. The young men instantly recognized him. He was from their community of Najaf, one of the important Shiite shrine cities. He was a very important teacher from a very wealthy family, and the young men got very afraid. And they said, oh, my goodness, did you see that? And he pulled off about maybe 50 yards north of us and got out of his car. And he started running back toward us. And we thought, oh, boy. Running. Running at us. And you do not see uh, Arab people usually run. That's Uh not dignified. And so Uh you would be surprised to see this. And I didn't know what to expect. And when he got up to me, 
he threw his arms around me and kissed me. <laughs> uh, the traditional Arab greeting, kissing once, twice on the left cheek, right cheek. Uh-huh. But then he continued, left cheek, right cheek. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for what oh. you've come. Oh, I know why you've come. Thank you so much for praying for us, for asking a blessing upon us. He'd heard on the radio and seen on television really? oh. uh, that we wanted to prepare ourselves to go honor Jesus. We wanted to ask a blessing upon the lives of the people and pray for peace and pray that their lives and their families and their fields mm. and their animals would be blessed and that we know that God intended to bless them and we were at calling upon God to give that blessing. Mm. And so he just cried was crying and couldn't thank us enough, and then went to every other single member of the team, did the same thing, and to these young men who couldn't believe it. They, they, this was a wealthy family that never spoke, and he thanked these young men, thank you for helping our brothers be able to you know, do their intention and honor Jesus. And then he came back to me after he got through greeting everyone, and in his beautiful white gown and everything, he said, mm. come back to my car. My seven-year-old boy is in the car. And I want him to have a picture with you and with these people mm. and with our people from the Najaf, the Shiite camel yeah. driver. I want him to know that he was here and he was part of this historic moment, mm. the year 2000 of Jesus' birth. And I want someday he'll look back as man my age and be able to say, you know, I was there and saw that. That's uh, amazing. We wish so much that the American people had felt the same way. And this was a Shiite Muslim. Robin, why are we so amazed to hear a story like that. I think it's partly a limitation of our own news, and therefore it's always coming through a certain agenda, a certain window. And most of us really have not had the privilege for which my wife and I are just will never be able to thank God that we've been able to actually meet these people in person and then discover mm-hmm. a whole different reality. After that imam did what he did, I thought, we were only two weeks into the journey, I thought, that's it, that's the tops. We'll <laughs> never top this, you know. Yeah. But just a week huh. later... Another amazing experience with Shia, these young men who had been with us for three weeks, when we got to the border the last day, they suddenly came up to us that morning, and we were carrying crosses, staves that were walking sticks and crosses. Mm. They came up to us and said, excuse me, could we have these, please? And kind of insisted and grabbed them from us and said, we want these. Uh And they went out in front of us, lifting up the cross. And then the young man took a New Testament in Arabic and chanted it as one would chant the Quran for hours. All the way to the border that day for three, four hours, holding up the cross and chanting from the Gospel of John. (laughs) Shiite Muslims, I could not believe my eyes or my ears. And yet they wanted to say, we see that God is with you. We see that you're a people of God. We have so much been thankful to be part of this, and we don't know how to express our appreciation except to Hmm. honor Jesus. And we can't go across the border because politically we're not allowed. But for this last day here, let us show you what we feel about all Hmm. this. And they picked up the cross and marched and chanted the Gospel of John for hours. It was the most astonishing thing I'd ever seen. I've never heard a story quite like that either, but I believe it. What can we learn from our Christian brothers and sisters in the Middle East, in Iraq and Syria and Jordan? I think they have a profound sense of prayer and dependence because they don't have the economic benefits that we take so much for granted. And our life works here in America. We have good education for our children. We usually can have some viable economic pursuit 
enough things sustain us economically that we can take a lot of life for granted. And because of that, I think that's perhaps one of the reasons why we have slipped away from a blessing-oriented culture, hmm. whereas they are so appreciative of any little thing. And they're so dependent, mm -hmm. they can't determine their life. They're just calling upon God, my children need education, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. God, I need you to help us. Or anything you can name, food for today. Yeah. Everything in life is a crisis. And without the kinds of economic strengths that sustain us. And therefore, every day they are dependent upon God in a way that we really know nothing about. You know, we go to church on Sunday, we praise God, we're Christians, we're wholeheartedly love God, but we're never pressed yeah. to really look to God and cry out every day and absolutely have no other resort but God yeah. to fulfill this. And therefore, anything that comes, if you provide them with any little thing, share something with them, try to solve a problem, they don't say, well, you're the most wonderful person in the world. They say, thanks, God. <laughs> How thanks, true. God. Yeah. In other words, you're not doing this because you're you. You're doing this because I prayed last week <laughs> to God. Yeah. And God happens to be using you to answer my prayer. Thanks, God. Yeah. And I love this about this people. Oh, uh, it's, it's yeah, just phenomenal. It, it, it's absolutely wonderful. There's certainly common ground in our need for a Savior. We'll be back with more of The Journey of the Magi and Robin Wainwright's fascinating discoveries in a moment. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. As we look forward to 2023, the first goal is to grow our vision team by another 200 people. Secondly, we've got a specific year-end budget challenge of $200,000 that we must raise in order to fully fund the projects that we've been contributing to for years. You'd think it wouldn't be hard to find these folks, but it's also easy to assume someone else will surely take up the challenge. Well, frankly, I can't count on someone else. I need to count on you. Would you take a moment today to seriously consider joining our vision team? Whether you're on a fixed income or running a growing business, your giving matters to the Lord and His kingdom servants around the world. Secondly, we've got a specific year-end budget challenge of $200,000 that we must raise in order to fully fund the project that we've been contributing to for years. Things like saving orphans from the streets of Johannesburg, providing Bibles to new believers in China, Burma, India, and Iran. I'm confident in you and the Lord's provision through you to make all these things possible, and much more. Thank you, friends. Give online today at CompassionRadio.com, or call us at 1-800-868-2478. And you can send your gift by mail to Compassion Radio, Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And now back to Norm and his guest, Robin Wainwright. Robin, right at this point, we are in a difficult relationship with the Muslim world. If we think of ourselves as Americans, not only as Christians, but as American Christians, we are trying as best we can through this Compassion Radio Ministry to communicate to people that there need not be this sense of hostility and mistrust because of September 11 or because of anything else and that we have marvelous brothers and sisters in Christ, part of the Christian community in the Middle East, and we should be praying for each other and standing with each other and supporting one another as we seek to follow Christ. 
But secondly, that there's also a missionary mandate that we have as Christians. There are people in the Middle East, as there are people all over the world, that do not know Jesus Christ. How do we break through all of that and become Christ ones? That's what Christian means. To be a Christian is to be a Christ one. How can we be Christ ones to those who don't know Jesus in the Middle East? You know, this is a very perplexing issue to me because I think these people do share many, many things with us that can be a beginning place for simply sharing the love of God that is expressed in Jesus Christ and that you could talk about this and they will not be upset and Mm. they'll be, in fact, quite open. And, of course, if we go in love and show the love of Christ, that does help interpret our message. If we go in fear... and go with already a hostile attitude toward them and just to tell them how wrong they are, well, of course, we won't get far. Christianity is not an American invention. It's not an American possession. In fact, if you wanted to try to put your finger on the center of Christianity by numbers, it would be Africa and not America. And one of the things that we used when we did the journey of the Magi is we traveled each day in one of the 99 beautiful names of God. Now, Mm. the Muslims talk about the 99 beautiful names of God. And, well, what are these names? We've had a book published by David Bentley, who did a very good job showing how these names are shared by Jews, Christians, and Muslims, and where they're found in Genesis or books of the Jewish Scripture, and where they are found in the Gospels and our epistles, and where they are found in the Quran. And here are some of the names of the 99 beautiful names of God. God, the giver of gifts. God, the provider. God, the opener, the one who opens doors. Mm. God, the all-knowing. God, the exalter. God, the honorer, the one whose honor is the only thing that really Mm. counts, you Mm. see. God, the all-hearing, who hears everything. God, the all-seeing. God, the judge. God, the just. God, the gentle one. God, the aware one, who's aware of everything, aware of the humblest, the smallest. He sees all the way down from the seventh heaven, it says in Psalms 113, and sees the smallest, humblest one, the one we count insignificant, yet he sees them and knows their needs. And he will lift them up and stand them among princes. That's what he did with my life. I know that's true. And so there's all these beautiful names of God, and they came from the Byzantine church, And the Muslims, if you see pictures of Muslims on television in the paper, you'll often see these beads, prayer beads. There's 33 of them. And 33 times 3 is 99, and they use them to recite to themselves these beautiful names. Well, we know those names. So we went and traveled each day in one of the beautiful names of God on the journey. And they were so surprised. Mm. They would say to us, you know the names? (laughs) <laughs> you, you know the beautiful names of uh, God? And we'd say, well, yes. Do you want to talk today about this beautiful name? <laughs> God the Most High? Let's talk. And mm. you can talk with a Muslim anywhere, anytime, about one of the beautiful names of God mm. and have quite an edifying conversation. Paul says, do all things to edification. I would rather go to a Muslim and begin a conversation with him or their family about one of the beautiful names of God that they honor and adore. And so why not begin there? Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Robin, I know that in the future there's the possibility that another one of these journeys of the Magi may take place. What can you tell us about that? Is there some way that our listeners can tap into this experience? 
as they say in the Middle East, both Muslim and Christian people, anything they say, they always say at the front or at the conclusion, God willing, inshallah. <laughs> right. <laughs> inshallah. You know, if God is willing, this will happen. And so this is what we say. We hope, God willing, that in 2005, we will have another historical reenactment exactly as the Magi traveled in the places that they traveled, and that this time we will be able to begin in Iran. They have invited us back. Mm. They want us to be able to do it. They were quite excited about it, and they were very disappointed that their own political circumstances caused them to cancel. And so we have an open invitation there. So we hope to begin at the eastern capital, the Parthian oh. Empire, oh. the ancient city of the Medes and Persians, then called Ekbatana and now called Hamadan, and follow by foot and camel exactly the route and then continue from Tesaphon, south of Baghdad, and, and repeat the route we did and invite, as we did before, Muslim people to help us fulfill our intention to honor God in this way by honoring Jesus. And, and it is a great bridge builder and a builder of friendships and connections. As we all know, if there is any hope at all in sharing the good news in Christ, it comes not mm. through polemics or books and haranguing dialogues, but through the expressions of love and embracing them as family. How are we to treat in Christ other people? Well, we know how to do that. We treat them as our own family, as our own flesh and blood, because God loves them in that way yes, and wants yes. them to be part of his family. And how can they know that God wants them to be part of his family and that we are part of that family unless we treat them like our mothers and fathers, unless we mm. treat them like our sons and daughters, unless we treat them like our brothers and sisters and willing to embrace them in that way. And, and when we do, we say, well, you know, God loves you and Whatever I'm able to show you of love, it's only because, as you know, all things come from God, and this love comes from God, and this is what he wants to have toward one another. That's the gospel. Yeah. And yeah. they know the yeah. gospel well, not only when they hear it, but when they experience it. So yeah, words, true. on the end, don't count. I became a Christian because this man took the time. And it mm -hmm. wasn't just his words. He didn't even quote scripture to me. But he cared about my life and said, God cares too and has already got to you. <laughs> Imagine that. And we need to yeah. give the same kind of message to them. You know, God does care. He hasn't abandoned you. You're out here in the world struggling and suffering. And it looks like the whole world is coming down on you. But you know what? God hasn't abandoned you. All your prayers and you've mm. given, you know, God has heard you. Mm. And God is doing things to redeem your life. And don't give up. Keep calling on God. And I'm going to ask a blessing for you in Jesus' name. Is that okay to do? <laughs> and never have I been refused. Is that right? No. Oh. They know blessings came in the world with Jesus. Yeah. And if you offer them a blessing in Jesus' name, open-handed, they'll give it to me. <laughs> I'm open. I need things in my life. We remember Paul at the Areopagus. He found common ground with people who needed to know the love of Jesus. That should be our response and our approach always. Robin, one of the struggles that we've had here at Compassion Radio is that whenever it comes to raising funds to provide Christian literature or whether it is some kind of compassion outreach, let's say in a place like Iraq or elsewhere in the Middle East, we've always found it very difficult to raise the funds that are necessary to give these gifts, to provide these blessings for people that we know are spiritually hungry and need to know the love of Jesus. What could you say to our listeners to encourage them to participate and to get beyond whatever prejudice there might be or whatever fear there might be or whatever sense of mistrust there might be about Middle Eastern people to participate in giving and 
to reach out to them in a generous way with expressions of the love of Jesus. The scripture tells us something that we must follow regardless of our politics or our view of the world. We need to be Christians before all else. And the scripture says from the Apostle Paul, do good to all peoples. And if you don't understand that, he says, well, you can begin with the household of faith. That's a place to start. But all peoples, Muslim peoples, Hindu peoples, do good. He doesn't say preach at them. He said, you know, the basic posture in life, you want to begin to share the gospel, do good to all peoples. And as I was saying, what is the good? Well, it's what you would do for your own family. We instantly know what the good is when it comes to our own. So just Mm. do that good to all peoples. So we can begin with the household of faith. If our heart is too small to do good to Muslim people, then how about if we do good to the Christians that are in all these countries, where there is significant Christian families, and their heart is big enough to do good to their neighbor, Mm. and they will, and they want to, and they're trying, but they have very limited resources. So blessing them is a way, a blessing that they will share because that's who they are, and that's what their culture requires, but also as a disciple in Christ, they know that's what they are to do. So one way we could do that is through whatever efforts of your program, because you are doing many things throughout that part of the world. Give us your website for the Holy Land Trust. I'm sure many of our listeners will want to check it out. It's great. www.holylandtrust.org Robin, it's been great to talk with you about all of this. You love the Middle East. We certainly do, too. And I hope that in the future we'll have opportunities to not only follow your progress, but work together and find a way to share the gospel and to come to love these people even better than we do now. And we certainly can do a better job. I know that. But you've been an inspiration to me. Thanks so much for being with us on Compassion Radio. My good friend, I hope that these two days of conversation with Robin Wainwright of the Holy Land Trust have opened your eyes and your heart to the positive possibilities of sharing the love of Jesus with Muslim people everywhere. Heavens 
There's no doubt that trying times bring out the best and the worst in mankind. I pray that God will bring out the very best of Him in you today. Thank you for standing with Compassion Radio in times like this. I think you know that we're a unique voice in Christian radio. Your generosity and your faith in us make it possible for us to continue doing what we do each and every day. Our radio stations, networks, and ministry partners around the world are counting on us to continue what we do so that they can do what they do. Quality Christian teaching and programs come to you because you support it. With all this happening in the world right now, Christian Radio has never been more needed to bring you the truth, comfort, and challenge that we need to live a gospel-filled life in the world. I humbly ask that you not forget us as we do the work we do for you. If you've never given before, would you consider doing so today? If you have supported Compassion Radio in the past, would you consider making us a part of your regular monthly giving plan? Thank you, friend. We're praying God's peace, provision, and courage over you today. The toll-free number is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can mail Compassion Radio at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And we're online 24-7 at CompassionRadio.com. Don't wait, friends. Join us online to find out how you can be involved with this unique and timely ministry. I'm Bram Floria. We wish you God's very best. Join us again tomorrow for more Compassion Radio.